everybody. Welcome back to the Fantasy Hockey Taxi Squad Fantasy Hockey Podcast presented by the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Team. We are back again with you for our first leaping point of our in-season content, our week one week preview coming at you hot from the van cab. Jay, hit the let's turn the fares on and let's get into it. Welcome in, everybody. We are your hosts, Craig, Allen, and Jay. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the pod. Hey, hey, hey. And we are super excited to have a very special co-host with us tonight, uh, one of the original members of the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey team. Mike Rogerson is joining us this evening, and he is here to talk about his limited series, the Five Hole fantasy hockey guide as well as sit in with us throughout uh, our first and inaugural week one preview how's it going raj welcome hey i'm doing good how are you guys doing yeah man it's been a journey it's uh, been exciting you know we've through through our took a deep breath after our preseason stuff six episodes into this thing and we're learning and we're growing and we're taking all the feedback from the listeners and the team in the back end and just trying to get better every t- every every show but it's great to have you with us and uh, I'm sure the listeners will be super excited to uh, hear your your voice uh, as we get into uh, what what you're bringing to the table in your limited series and then the week preview for week one so why don't we kick it off there and uh, why don't you give the listeners uh, and the team here at the taxi squad a little bit more insight on what's to come on your limited series uh yeah I've just been doing a a series on the five hole feed. I've only put one episode out so far and another one coming out um, tomorrow. Uh, but I'm going through basically from the beginning and trying to tell people who've never played fantasy before kind of what's up. So I know like a lot of shows like our show and keeping Carlson and apples and Geno's and all that. If you listen to our shows, and you've never played fantasy before, it's pretty overwhelming. Like, there's so much slang and so much analytics and, like, you know, it's pretty deep. Is Right, we don't really give people a chance. So I wanted to make a series, just uh, seven episodes, just kind of laying out the very basics for, like, people who've never played before and want to try fantasy. So everything from how to start a league to how to have what a categories league is, what a points league is, blah, 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 all, all the details from, so you can basically go from never playing before to starting and, and getting into it. Yeah. I think it's great content to put out there because like, even I was talking to the guys in our discord chat that we have uh, just as the taxi squad. And I had a couple of friends reach out after listening, you know, being new listeners, just because, you know, I'm on a podcast, just not, being familiar with fantasy hockey like they maybe play in their you know their home league with family and friends and and are looking to venture kind of down into the i don't want to call them a, a dark hole but the 
the slippery slope of getting into it from a diehard perspective and they didn't really know where to to start right so i think it's uh i think it's going to go real well for you well that's kind of what actually spawned me to do it was actually like was my dad listening to me on five hole uh he was like oh wow it sounds like it really sounds like uh you guys know what you're talking about he's like i have no idea what you're talking about so he was like super into it huge hockey fan but like he just couldn't understand what we were even talking about even as a hockey fan not being a fantasy fan so i kind of thought about it for a, a year or so of you know, I want, I would like to just at least have a way to introduce people who are at least curious about getting into it without, honestly, without us having to make a bunch of shows about it every season. Like, like, absolutely. It is not the same thing at all. And I remember I listened to yours, uh, Raj, and just even in the beginning when you said, look, uh, if you are one of the players here, managing we call them gms and it's such a basic thing but it's true that if you don't follow the lingo something simple as that slips past and it's it becomes difficult it's compounding in difficulty if you don't know the the language yeah so it's a you know short little series i'm gonna put it out on the five hole feed um for now and then when it's all been released i'm gonna put it over in its own little channel so anyone can come back and reference it or if if any of us come across people who who are at that level then we can rather than explaining everything from from the beginning we can just say go listen to this here it is here's how you play Uh, and and i think uh the listeners will will expect nothing but some quality entertainment but pure pure simplicity and brilliance uh, from your side which i know that uh, i listened to the first episode as well and it's it's perfectly laid out from a simplicity standpoint to kind of have be that entry level pathway for those looking to venture down into this uh deeper darker ecosystem that is now fantasy hockey it's not just about drafting your favorite players and anymore it's about you know really thinking about it and having a critical strategy but i think having a leaping point from your limited series is going to be huge and on that point as we always ask in every show and for for the listeners out there you know please follow follow along on the channel and and like and give us five stars along with Raj's limited series the five hole fantasy hockey guide reach out to us on discord if you have any questions heading into your drafts uh, this coming weekend and uh, don't be shy to uh, if you are if you are new to fantasy hockey and you have listened to Raj's first episode you know look up discord online and uh, find the five hole fantasy community it's a lively community talking about everything hockey fantasy hockey and all other topics of life and entertainment tons of uh, people at all levels of the fantasy community are involved there so i don't know raj if you have any other closing thoughts on your limited series before we dive in here on the week one preview um no just you know, listen to it. And if you have friends who are getting into fantasy hockey, uh, point them in that direction. Um, but I did want to say before we get started, thank you guys for kind of keeping things going while uh, while the show's down for a year, taking a break. Uh, and uh, it's been great. It's been great so far. And it's been getting better every episode. And I'm really happy to have you guys uh, as the taxi squad continuing the uh whatever kind of legacy you want to call it 
You guys are gonna, you're going to make Jay cry, okay? But you know, we appreciate we as we said to TJ and and Zach in the early stages, we really appreciate the opportunity to represent you guys and the team and the community that you've built. And you know, all we can hope is to continue to put our best foot forward and help everybody that's listening out there get better at fantasy hockey and compete for their championships. And we're going to hold true to the flagship shows that while you guys are away and hope to have the three of you join us whenever you are available, which would be awesome for ourselves and the listeners. It's exciting times as we kind of bridge between preseason and heading into regular into, into the regular season, which kicks off next Tuesday, which brings us into tonight's show's topic, the week one week preview, exciting flagship kickoff for the taxi squad and having Raj here is just a extra bonus for our, the team and, and for the listeners, I'm sure. So why don't we jump into it and, and we'll touch on injuries and news uh, right off the jump and then we'll get into scheduling maximization and streamers uh, into week one headed into next week for everybody. So we wanted to uh, point out a couple of key injuries, which one everybody knows about already. It's close to Alan's heart. It was crushing for his soul. It was also probably a little hurtful for TJ because I saw TJ took Vasilevsky pretty high in the five-hole fantasy hockey listener league. Well, everybody knows this now. Vasilevsky is out eight to 10 weeks after back surgery, leaving Johansson and Anfelt, or as we deemed him offline tonight, what do we call him? Omelette to mind the crease for Tampa. So I think this is a pretty interesting tidbit from a goalie perspective. I, for one, took Johansson uh, with my final pick in another content creator's uh, uh, Bangers Cats League that I was drafting in just to kind of have a streaming goalie that's going to get probably the bulk of the starts or at least 60-40 from what I've been reading from the Tampa side of things for the first 8 to, to 10 weeks of the season, hoping that Vast is probably coming back in the the shorter end of that as a Tampa fan, Alan, I don't know if you have any thoughts of how that's going to pan out. Oh, I'm hoping this is not like Louis <laughs> Domingue where the team has to outscore. Well, Johansson has a little bit of a decent proven track record. If you want in, in 42 his, save shutout in the preseason for what that's worth in his limited uh, run uh, in his NHL career and felt is a high end prospect where he was, you know, three or four years ago. So they maybe maybe have maybe mining for some gold there, but probably more than likely with goalies, it's mining for some like brass or copper or or something that's not hopefully not Swiss cheese for Allen and the Lightning fans out there. And then the other injury of note is uh, Mr. Alex Kaloran Moneybags with the Anaheim Ducks. He got paid too much money and is now out four to six weeks with a fractured finger. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, as we touched on in the division previews we're not super high on Anaheim but Kaloran would have been a nice streamer with his top six deployment probably gives one of their young guys another opportunity in the top six whether that's Max Max Jones or Leo Carlson is that his name yeah the young the young draft pick uh, probably pushing up into the top six you know ho-ha-hum I don't know how exciting that is but uh, he got overpaid and it's something to note because he was going to get all of the deployment with that bag of money he got from them but I think negative regression is inevitably happening for Kaloran, whether he's out four to six weeks or not. From a news standpoint, 
going back to the well with Anaheim. They finally did what they should have done to begin the offseason, if not the preseason. They did sign Trevor Zegras to a bridge deal, three years at $5.75 million. I'm not sure how you don't lock up the young man who is supposed to be the face of your franchise and the future of your hockey team to a long-term deal and actually pay him for what he's worth, like a Nick Suzuki uh, that have been paid the bag of money uh, from their rebuilding teams. But hey, that's not really fantasy relevant, but it is hockey relevant and life relevant. You gave a big bag of money to Kloran and you underpaid your rising star. That's really so ducks. (laughs) But hey, Troy Terry to the moon now. Yeah, that's great, man. Give t- Troy Terry an opportunity to break that 70-point threshold. No problem now. And then uh, a couple other extensions that were signed a couple weeks ago. Uh, Matt Zuccarello and uh, Marcus Foligno were extended in Minnesota. Zuccarello, two years, $4.125 million, And Foligno, four years at $4 million. Uh, Zuc, you know, 70-point floor. Great deployment on PP1 and and playing with Kaprizov. So I think as long as he can remain healthy, I think that 70-point floor is more than attainable for him. And Felino, I think everybody at, at this uh, round table in the taxi squad and Raj would also, you know, a sneaky little big boy banger hits and blocks and has a little bit of sneaky points sprinkled in there uh, as he always does. He always seems to go on some sort of hot streak every season where you can stream him. And then I think that leads us right into the good stuff for the week one preview. So Alan, I don't know if you want to jump into what the schedules look like heading into week one and where we want to dig a little deeper at what teams to target from a streaming perspective and how to leverage that uh, from schedule maximization. Yeah, the top three schedules are Vegas, Seattle, and Carolina. They all have three games with two off nights. Uh, Vegas, to me, has the best because they play Seattle, San Jose, and Anaheim. Like two of the easiest, should be the easiest teams on paper. Seattle plays Vegas, Nashville, St. Louis, Carolina, Ottawa, LA, Anaheim. Uh, There are some other teams with three games and two off nights, Chicago, Nashville, Ottawa, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. The worst schedules, there are some teams with one game this week. The New York Islanders play Buffalo on Saturday. Uh, Washington plays Pittsburgh on Friday. That'll either be a 2-1 game or a 6-5 game. That's always how those go. And then Arizona plays Jersey on Friday. Not only do some of those teams only have one game, they play some some tough opponents. Uh, so unless you have those like key players that you cannot drop, maybe don't don't try to stream from those three guys. Uh, but to me, the guy I am hunting myself and his ownership's climbing. I'd say by the time you do your draft, he might be a go check. Uh, Ivan Barbashev, that top line with Eichel and was I think March or so. But power play too, which they roll their units pretty equally. So it's he's getting some power play time, which is the the big the big thing. He will give you hits and shots, uh, not a ton, but he does provide the coverage on both. And someone I I think maybe should have been drafted. I'm surprised his ownership is so low. Uh, Seth Jarvis on Carolina, center right wing. He's supposed to get a good solid look on line one power play one with Aho, which is where you want to be uh, right now. And Yahoo's only 22% owned, which kind of blew my mind and probably just to diversify. I would say uh, Andre Burkowski on Seattle line two, but power play one for what that's worth. Uh, but he's only 12% owned. 
Yeah, I think I think for me, I think you hit on this. I'll just go back to the schedule for a second and coming out of drafts heading into week one. I think those GMs that are going to be reliant on Sorokin and maybe even Kemper from a Washington and an, an Islanders standpoint, I hope you drafted a viable backup that has more than one game in week one or you're looking at streaming options uh, to get your goalie starts in, especially with both of them having late week starts, right? Friday, Saturday, right? I like, I like your point on Barbashev. I do agree with you. He might be a just go check just because of his opportunity, his deployment and, you know, how his category coverage is uh, some versatility there being dual eligible at center and left wing. Yeah. Jarvis, I think everybody wants him to be good. Everybody's wanted him to be good for the last three years. Maybe he finally gets deployment. I don't trust the Rob Brindamore blender, but I think he's definitely worth a stream this week coming up. And Barakowski, Seattle's interesting. I, I think the guys even on the five hole last year used to talk about these guys as the peripheral of, of streaming uh, because they roll four lines, they roll three lines, they roll two power plays, and they're always just like, those fringe uh, rosterable guys, but from a skill standpoint, from a points upside, you know, you definitely can't go wrong with Burkowski. I don't know, Jay, what do you got from a streaming standpoint? Where do you want to take this? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Uh, I completely agree with Alan that some, that this schedule is bizarre in, in the sense that there are some teams that have one game, some teams that have three. And obviously the, the, the game with the Vetchkin, the game with, Robertson obviously you you'd expect or hope them to have a big game but it's an all or nothing week and you don't draft superstars especially in your round one basing that in mind but you will most likely if you're loading up your team with any of the Coyotes the Stars the Islanders the Capitals you get three or more bonafide stars from those teams and you are just simply not probably going to have the firepower to land you week one which is totally fine it is a marathon that is divided into winning your weeks so draft and stream with that in mind I'd follow up and say a little bit with Allen's statement as well with Carolina they are not a bad streaming strategy and streaming team to target in week one the only concern with Carolina is that there are 32 teams in the NHL 28 of them play on Saturday night. You will have a full bench. It doesn't matter which team you hold. It doesn't matter which team you draft. You will have a full bench on Saturday. So your goal this week, if you are targeting streamers, is really to maximize your players playing on the days that are not Saturday. Which is why, actually, I would say if there are any teams that are golden, Goldilocks, bonafide, this is just right teams to target, I would say the Blackhawks, the Predators, the Kraken, and the Golden Knights, those four teams are all in the Goldilocks of just right streamers. Mainly for the idea that and obviously, again, this is caveated around your league and around your stats and around your specific situation in which you might be capped by the weekly ads. You might be capped by other, other facets and strategies. But if you get a Chicago player, let's say right now they don't really have that many great players. They have, what, Bedard and 
Jones, the only two guys that have tons of draft. I, everyone's going to draft them. You are not going to find either of them on the waiver wire. But again, it's uh, just as Alan said, just go check. Hall is literally a coin flip. It's a 50-50 whether or not you get him on your team. But this is the week. Most weeks, maybe you don't want him anchoring your left wing. But week one is that week. You get him for those first two games. He plays like garbage one night. He scores, you know, two goals the next. And then you drop him. Maybe you can slide in the Nashville Predators or the Seattle Kraken or the Vegas Golden Knights for the next Thursday and Saturday slot. And then if you can rotate them once more, and then you pull in the Carolina. Then you pull in the Ottawa game. Then you can maximize and get, get an additional three games that you wouldn't have had had you just kept with one specific streaming team. So this is just like a, a streaming mindset that I would approach week one. Because at the end of the day, you're really just trying to maximize ads. You're really just trying to maximize plays. And that's why I would say Chicago. Chicago is is a ripe team for picking. Radish, Reichel, Tyler, Johnson. These guys are like 2% owned. And all those guys I listed, power play one guys. Okay, not Reichel. I kind of I kind of fudged the numbers a bit. Yeah, I think I think you hit you guys hit some key ones there. I think one that I want to highlight as well because I know that he shoots a lot and his he's not a very efficient shooter at least over the last couple of years. But Andrew Mangiapane right now is getting line one power play one deployment and he's dual eligible left wing right wing with that s- schedule that Allen highlighted. He's only twenty one percent own. Definitely somebody that. I would be looking to stream for week one. I was just actually looking at it while while you guys were talking there. Alan, that 21% owned for Jarvis, or sorry, 22% owned for Jarvis is extremely interesting. And I just want to check the uh, his line mate, Michael Bunting, the Buntman, who doesn't have any power play deployment, is 53% owned. Okay, yes, he's on line one with Aho and Jarvis, but he doesn't have that bump in deployment of power play one like Jarvis so I definitely like those two I think you also have some opportunity I know they're center only but you know the stream king himself Chandler Stevenson he used to be try eligible I see that he is only center eligible right now but he is line two power play two 35% owned he's probably available yes we all want him to shoot more but he does have some point upside and he does get used a lot, and he's playing with Mark Stone, at least to start the season, and he is on power play one. And then you also have William Carlson, super boring, but he's their third-line center. He's only 17% owned. He shoots a little bit more than Stevenson, and he still gets power play deployment. Alan, I don't know if you have any other thoughts, or Raj, if you had any thoughts on on the streamers that we've we've highlighted so far. No, I, I blame Bunting's high ownership on the Toronto media. I would also take, uh, I guess, this moment to mention as well that streaming is definitely a cascading effect. What I mean by cascading effect is streaming is essentially maximizing point maximization, but you are limited by your ads that particular week, which essentially means if you can, and if you can target and tailor your roster in a sense that you can have a specific position devoted only to waiver wire, you can use those on an early season waiver wire you might as well use those last couple rounds to try to maximize your schedule and in that case look hard to see if you can snag 
you know, those Chicago players look to see ahead onto week two in your draft and check to see where Logan Cooley is. Check to see where Barrett Hayton is because if you look at week two, right again at the beginning, October 16th, October 17th, Arizona plays another two games. So if you keep your mind ahead for waiver wire, specifically in mind, that is how you are going to win your league. You are winning not the marathon of total roto wire. That's not the purpose of the waiver. But the purpose of the waiver is to get ahead and it's to win those early week leads and snag those early week ads ahead of time. If you win your week one ahead of time, you can use those final week one ads to get ahead on week two. And that's what I mean by the cascading effect. There is always going to be a team that plays two games ahead of schedule well, you're getting, the next week. You're getting, into the, spi- you're getting into the you spicy stuff now, Jay, Sorry, because I think now if you look at streamers into week one and heading in, look ahead into week two, you're, you're looking at primarily like somebody you could hold over the week is Andrew Majupani because the Flames have a decent schedule this week and then they have a four-game slate on off nights except for the Thursday, Thursday, right? If he can hold that deployment on line one, power play one, that's a a pretty good hold with dual eligibility on the wing. I don't see any of the other teams with the good schedule with the four-game slate, but you are getting into the first week in week two with four games. So looking ahead into week two, just briefly before we get back to the week one conversation, the game, the teams with four games in week two is Arizona, like Jay mentioned, Calgary Flames, and the Detroit Red Wings. We'll get deeper into week two once we get to that preview, but just something to think of and, and keep in the back of your minds. So I do like the opportunity to stream early. I think something that Zach spoke of often in, in the in the five-hole teams week previews was, you know, get 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 a couple early games opportunities to score points. So for me, it's got to be Radish, especially if he holds that PP1 deployment coming into the first into the first season. They're the only team with an early back-to-back. I know it's kind of midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, but you could pick up Radish if he does nothing. You could bail on him and then pick somebody up for, you know, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday sked, depending on, you know, where the game maximization is there and then you know jay always wants to give those tips and tricks on how to win your leagues coming out of drafts the mindset for me and the the team and i the team we've talked about this off off air is just like you're always looking at your opponent and you're trying to see how you can get one two three four games more played right and that's through streamers that we're talking about now and what we'll be talking about uh in all of the flagship shows so, Alan, uh, any closing thoughts on, on the Yeah, no, I was, I was about to say, on? this might be a good time as much as we're talking about schedules. Uh, what what tools, roundtable, what tools do we uh, do we all use to, to look at schedules? I was looking for what I used to look for, but I think you mentioned it. Uh, Left Wing Lock is now a paid subscription. So, for now, uh, until I can dig d- a little deeper, I'm looking at Daily Faceoff right now from the scheduling standpoint just from a games schedule the the best absolute best thing for schedules hands down free easy it's called the uh, zero games above replacement 
my personal favorite. So it's just zero G A R dot com, and it it's just the best layout. It shows you um, everybody's home and away, all the off nights, and on each for each is broken up into fantasy weeks, and it shows you what's coming up next week, how many off nights each team has, how many games and off nights they have next week, and it, it uh, ranks each. Uh, each week for you so it's 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 the best in my opinion that's the one that um that uh, most of us at five hole use tj is building one into the five hole website as well uh, but yeah zero games above replacement is uh it's sick uh and then i use daily faceoff for the lineups page it's not always a hundred percent accurate like it's it's a tight 60 percent but it looks nice, and it's it's be, it's as good as any of the other ones for lineups, I, I think. But those I think are my t- main go-to for um, ads and and those kind of those kind of uh, bits of information between zero zero gar zero games above replacement. It's actually a cousin of I don't know if you guys remember the fan the fantasy hockey podcast the the OGs. It, it's one of their websites. I know that's close to Alan's heart, and I used to listen to it when I was first getting into fantasy hockey back in the day. Yeah, because uh, it was like the only thing that existed back then. But even I think even back then it was more it was overwhelming for somebody who comes from the grassroots of let's draft my favorite players and oh god yeah not a clue of what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I too I too like daily face off for line combinations and. And just like the layout there and the visuals of especially the peripheral guys, the complementary players that not everybody knows or hears. At least you can see visually exactly what line they're on, whether it shifts before puck drop or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, sometimes it's nice to I, be able to see because the way they lay it out, it's just literally like the 12 guys on a grid. So you can see the whole depth chart. But you can also, even if you disagree with what they have as the lineup, you can at least see everything there and go, oh, well, they've got, you know, they've got Tyler Johnson on line one. I think it's going to be Taylor Radish or whatever, but you can see it all there. It's just so visual and it makes it like really easy to just look at the whole lineup and go, okay. As opposed to like scrolling through a list or something like that. I like how it's just laid out with jerseys and everything. So it's like, it just looks like a lineup and it makes it, uh, easy for my simple brain to understand and then they have the the power play units laid out and the penalty kill units and stuff yeah i really like that one it's not a website obviously but the other source right from the source is just to go on twitter there are three i guess sources um and they themselves don't aren't they aren't bibles per se but they just retweet all the other beat writers that are pumping out content and so it's a consolidated source and game day lines is an awesome one just rolls out all those lines for you game day goalies is the same thing if you're chasing especially our zero g strategy and game day news nhl is an awesome one just to follow up on any particular injuries or any particular updates that would show up around the league but definitely game day lines and game day well i mean if if we're going to twitter on twitter (laughs) <laughs> let's uh 
Wait, are we supposed to call it X? I don't know what we're supposed <laughs> no. to call it. I'm so glad that we're all calling no, it. No, fuck X. X is brilliant. a letter. X is a letter and it was a it's an old operating system. Um what you should be going to is FHFH lines on Twitter. Uh T- yes, TJ has put together the uh, the ultimate line follower beat writer follower page on twitter x uh it's at fhfh lines five hole fantasy hockey lines i like that one uh and tj built it tj's fucking dope um so yeah yeah check that one out if you're on the if you're on the x before we continue on and, and look into goalies and and some and big boy bangers i just wanted to reference week one you know gary bettman doesn't give a shit about goalie starts in fantasy by the looks of what I can, I can see in terms of how week one is laid out. So just be mindful of that. And like, you're looking at your heaviest night is the Saturday with 14 games. And then no other night has more than seven games in week one uh, with Tuesday and Friday, sorry, Friday and Sunday only having two games and Tuesday only having three. And then Wednesday has six and Thursday has seven total games. So just something to think about in terms of how you're going to squeak out your goalie starts if you aren't carrying three goalies or four goalies, which I don't ever recommend. I don't know, Alan, you want to dive into, you know, who you're thinking of uh, from getting those goalie starts in from a, from a streaming perspective? Yeah, no, um, I'd say nice spot pickup. Uh, Anton Forsberg on the Sens. I mean, in the past, he's, he's put up uh, very serviceable numbers. Check to see if he gets that start against Philly. Uh, that's some nice low-hanging fruit. Mm, no, I don't. I don't want to recommend either lightning goalie. I'm. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I can't even in the, my in my right mind recommend either one of those guys. But yeah, uh, Nedeljkovic on the the Penguins might be a good guy to pick up if he gets the start against the Caps, and then see what he does next week. Yeah, I think the big thing for Forsberg and Nedeljkovic, as long as they get one of those starts, I think they're viable because those starts are all at home for the Sens and the Pen- and Pittsburgh uh, on the weekend. I'll give your boys a shout out just because they might be the only actual viable start uh, starting goalies that are streamable in Johansson and Anfalt. They'll both be splitting those starts on Saturday and Sunday. And I'm not even going to touch Chicago's back-to-back. Nobody should be streaming those goalies ever unless they're really desperate for like an absolute single year start, but don't do that to yourself in week one. <laughs> so you're, you're predicting a Mrazic shutout. Like that's you have reverse jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's, if that's the juju I can put out into the you, world, uh, maybe, but you could look to, um, Jersey, uh, to get the start against Arizona. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Uh, but I don't. Know. If, My whole thing. If Schmid is available, I don't know. In this in this early first week, it's kind of like the last week of the season where it's just it's not going to make sense. Like whatever happens this week is not going to be reflective of the rest of the season. And like I I don't like. I mean, we just drafted our teams. They haven't even played yet. So you shouldn't really be busting up your team for streamers, really, in the first week. Unless you had, like, some bad luck in the draft or you drafted someone who was injured you didn't know about or something. Or you just stash a couple guys who are on the IR. But uh, you don't really probably need to bust up your team 
at this point, right? Like we literally, nobody's even played yet, but you're dropping guys. Uh, and some guys don't even yeah, play till Friday. Yeah. So like I didn't do it. I'll just say that right now, but a smart person would have drafted a couple of extra with your last couple rounds, draft a couple of Chicago guys, right? Like with your last two bullshit rounds, pick up a Tyler Johnson or, um, you know, but nobody does that. Nobody was thinking a week ahead during the draft. No. But I would, <laughs> what I would do though is if, because I like, I was saying on, on Twitter earlier, I really like every team I've drafted uh, this year. It's probably the first time ever I can say that. So what I'd probably be doing in a, in a league, most leagues, would be something like taking that one streamer position rather than using three separate streamer spots or you know dropping three different guys is maybe use all three spots to get six games because there's nobody plays Monday right so there's only six days worth of games I'd probably take somebody from Chicago drop them take somebody from New Jersey drop them and take somebody from say Ottawa or Carolina or Tampa. And then you get out of that one position, you're going to get six games and get games every night. And you still have basically the team that you drafted. So that's going to be my approach on, on this first week. Cause unless you totally botched your draft, I mean, you're not going to want to, you know, be dropping guys before they've even hit the ice yet. Well, Raj, and for the listeners, you just took everything I was going to say to close out the show. <laughs> so we're all meant to be together in some <laughs> form or fashion. The stars have all aligned. So I think that is sound advice for coming into week one. And I think if you can get that singular streaming spot, it's where you're going to look for the streamings that streamers that we're recommending. And if you can be that savvy guy in your league, like Raj recommended, getting those six games from those three teams or four teams that have the back-to-backs, then you're, you're probably going to be more on top of it than, than I. <laughs> well, think about it, right? Like a lot of people, yeah. well, one person in every league took Jason Robertson as their first round pick. And he only has one game this week, right? So you're going to need to find some guys to fill in those other spots. If, if that's the kind of situation, but if you were, if you were to follow exactly what Raj described, and if you, listener, are listening along, this is how you could hypothetically roll with your week. When you get to draft spot 16, and you're drafting your 16th player, you could take a home run at a random guy. Don't do it. Go pick up Taylor Radish. He will get you the Tuesday game and the Wednesday game. Then after, he has one awesome start, and you're thinking of keeping him on your roster stapled there forever. He drops an absolute stinker on Wednesday, and you're like, thank God, he is only my streamer. You drop him Thursday morning, and you go right down to New Jersey, and you add... Everybody loves New Jersey. <laughs> Everyone loves Jersey. Everybody on Jersey is taken... <laughs> yeah, but go grab a Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer or Andre Palat. Dawson Mercer is 73%. <laughs> <old>. <laughs> Eric Haula or uh, 
Alex Holtz. For that, for it's just the games, right? Just get somebody. Get someone. It's only a two night yeah, situation. Somebody, and somebody gone on forever, so. New Jersey. Yeah, I would say it's I'd say you're probably a only hope in New Jersey is Eric Halla and Alexander Holtz. And they've kind of been floating in and out of the top six and then the third line throughout the preseason. So you don't know where they'll kind of land in those two games. And like you said, it's schedule maximization, getting those games, especially if you're in that boat where you have one of your premier premier players that you drafted only having a singular game. You're going to need a little bit of a opportunity to steal some points from your opponent. If you are a Jason Robertson owner, for instance, like Raj mentioned, only having one game next week. So why don't we just take a quick look at the taxi squad staple, uh, the big boy bangers that could be available to you if you are in a categories league and you're looking at some point in your week to you know, win those categories uh, in your week one matchup. We've got Adam Larson. It's a just-to-go check. He's 59% owned, but uh, he does a little bit of everything for Seattle. He gets a ton of ice time. Uh, he hits, he blocks, he shoots a little bit. He does have a little bit of points sprinkled here or there on even strength. A triple B, a big boy banger light from the, the Kraken is Elio Tilvanen. Another guy hits, shoots. He was hitting last year, uh, even in a short sample size uh, with the Kraken at a 1.5 hits per game and two shots per game. You'll get a little bit of points upside for him. He's dual eligible as well, that left wing, right wing eligibility. Another five-hole, I think, I'm not going to say favorite, but he was talked about a lot. Brandon Tanev, that beautiful mug and screenshot of his face is still everywhere. The ghost hunter. Mm -hmm. Left wing only, which is kind of down. He was dual eligible last year, uh, but he's hitting at a clip of 2.3 hits per game, and he will have a little bit of points sprinkled in here or there, so always a good guy to go to for hits when... The Kraken, like week one, have a good streaming schedule. And then from the Vegas Golden Knights, big boy bangers extraordinaire. Keegan Kolazar, right wing, hits around four hits per game as of last year, playing about 12 minutes time on ice. So he's probably still going to hit that four hits per game. And Braden McNabb on defense on their second pairing. He's only 18% owned. Great guy to pick up in any given week that Vegas has a good streaming schedule 2.5 hits per game and 2.4 blocks per game last season Uh, i don't see any reason why they don't that doesn't continue this year they do use him in a shutdown role on the penalty kill and then uh, from carolina Dmitry orloff now in you know third pairing deployment but i still think he'll be used in a shutdown role there probably along with jacob jacob slavin two hits per game and 1.5 blocks per game last season. So a couple of viable big boy bangers there uh, from our three key streaming teams. Don't, don't forget about uh, the most bangingest of all the bangers last season, Luke Shen. Oh, that's right. From the Preds. I forgot he was yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, he's he's moved. He's on the Preds. Um, he had 318 hits in 70 games last year. Insane. Uh, Insane. I didn't even realize... Well, till it happened, but he is actually, he has the most hits in history of any defenseman. Like he is the number one of all time wow. in the NHL. That's not who you'd pick, I bet. If I said who has the most hits in the history of the NHL, Luke Shen wouldn't have been the guy I picked, but he is, he passed the record last year and he's still fucking crushing people. So, 
So he might be the captain of the Big Boy Bangers taxi squad team now. He might take that from Gudis if he continues on the hitting on this clip. And he's he's projected to be deployed with Yossi. So he's going to be getting top four minute deployment, probably in a shutdown role on the PK too. So he's going to be hitting everything because they're going to try to keep open ice for Yossi to do his thing, I am sure. I would imagine he's probably around 20% owned unless it's a serious big boy banger uh bangers cats league with a strong emphasis on hits. he is he's 45 gudis is 46 <laughs> in yahoo yeah so they're all they're approaching just go check if you are in a categories league but they are the assistant captain and captain of the big boy bangers t- taxi squad team this year so don't be shy to grab them and i would actually if you're in a serious categories league I would have them on my bench, not allowing others to stream them uh, if you didn't already draft them so that you can just stream hits all season long from both of them. Colasar, I think, was around 240 hits last year, so four points per game, so or four, sorry, four hits per game. So that gives, so that Gudis and Shen will be up in that six, five to six hits per game, if not more, uh, to go that north of that 330, uh, which is madness. So that's <laughs> wild. And then I think just some other thoughts heading into week one, coming out of the draft and just looking at it from where we've kind of had conversations in the division previews and our, in our preseason stuff. We just wanted to mention a couple of young up and coming watch list guys, whether you drafted them super late or you want to throw them on your watch list coming into next week or when you're done your draft from Nashville, the young bucks on that team look like they're going to, at least right now, projected to all be on power play one. So Cody Glass, Luke Evangelista, and Tommy Novak. Evangelista and Tommy Novak, which we mentioned in the division preview, were you know both given a little bit of a longer leash and an opportunity last year with the injuries that they faced uh, in Nashville with Forsberg and Rijo being hurt. So it looks like they're going to be leaned on to at least be complementary pieces to Forsberg and Yossi uh, this year from an offensive standpoint. Uh, Glass is currently projected to center line two. Evangelista and Novak are looking to be on line three together. I think Novak will eventually move back into the top six as he was last year. And Evangelista, if he can hold down PP1 this year, probably has a pretty decent opportunity to break 50 points especially being in that position of scarcity uh, as a right winger on the young guns train uh, from a buffalo standpoint nothing to do with streaming in week one but casey middlestad jj jj paterka and i'm gonna say his name wrong but that benson kid that they drafted he's getting a long look uh, right now in the last week of preseason playing with tage and skinner on line one which is push tuck down the lineup playing on line three it'd be very interesting to see if zach benson makes the team out of camp and even if he's there for that eight to nine game opportunity he could be a sneaky opportunistic streamer especially if he holds that power play one deployment with tage and skinner and then a guy that i'm snagging real late in drafts is kirill marchenko from the columbus blue jackets right now projected to be with jenner and Johnny Goudreau on line one and also holding down the right wing spot on power play one. Uh, he has been there in preseason. He had a uh, pretty effective rookie season last year, scoring 22 goals. If he can hold that deployment, uh, I don't see how he doesn't 
push for 30 goals this year and 50 to 55 points, especially if he holds PP1. And then a guy that I'm sure people have seen sprinkled on Twitter because he's getting some hype in his performance in preseason from the Calgary Flames. And we talked about their opportunistic schedule in week one and two is Matt Coronato, young guy coming out of university, also position of scarcity right wing. He's currently lined lined up on line three with Backland and Sheragovich. Uh, but he said an extremely strong preseason. He shoots a ton. He's probably going to make the team because of that Peltier, Peltier injury and him being out at long term now. They were both supposed to make the team, but I think this actually gives Coronado a very good opportunity to make the team out of camp. This is a kid that could push, you know, 55, 60 points given the right deployment in Calgary, a team that's looking for secondary scoring based on how not good they were last year he's gonna shoot a ton like he he's i saw projections on twitter earlier today like and he had him for like 55 points and 240 shots if he made the team out of camp so definitely somebody that i'll be watching maybe even taking late in my drafts now now seeing their opportunistic two-week schedule coming out and into the opening weeks of the season just a couple of uh gems for the people out there looking for people to put on their watch list like i'm sure most of us do after drafts or is it did i miss anybody is there anybody i should think of but you know as we talked about in the division preview i'm always the one looking for high upside based on opportunity and deployment from the young guns in the league i really like um if you're talking about guys who are probably nothing but might be something is uh, Sharon Govich, who you kind of blew past there um, when you were talking. But he was really promising looking in Jersey and uh, just kind of got buried because he had so many exciting players, right? So he came over. And now he's right now been playing with Backland and Coronado, like you said. And that's uh, that's a tight, like there's like seven or eight good forwards in, in Calgary. So their top six is going to be good. And if he can stick in their top six, I think he could be like a good bottom of the roster player. He's uh, he's dual eligible. Um, he's super quick. So if he clicks with um, with Backland or maybe even Kadri, that could be a, he could be in for a good a good solid season. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you on Sharon Govich. And I think personally, like I know they have new new coaches there and there's going to be a lot of new opportunity and probably some line juggling just to see who gels with who. Who I would hope that they keep Lindholm and Huberto together for a longer period of time than Sutter did last year. But I think we all know who Manjapani is. Like he's a, a shooter, but he's not a great finisher. I don't personally see him holding that line one deployment i think sharon govich or coronado will take it from him at some point because mangiapani as much as he has flashes he's never really held consistency from a a scoring standpoint so just some like you said some very interesting and i think we've talked about calgary a lot in our our preseason stuff like just I think there's a lot of hope around that team for a bounce back now that old man Sutter is out of there and uh, and some of the young pieces. It's unfortunate that Peltier got hurt long term, but I think that opens the door for the likes of Sharon Govich and Coronado to make a little bit more noise as the secondary scorers on that team. Also, just on that team, they've got kind of 
Blake Coleman's kind of buried down in the lineup right now who can always come up to literally any line. and It's going to be shuffly for a bit, probably the first week or two. But, uh, yeah, speaking about Sharagovich and actually Coronado as well, uh, it just if they can maintain their top six, those are, those are some good guys. I like Calgary. They're way, well, step back. I hate Calgary, but I think they're going to be <laughs> a lot better this year. Yeah, I think that was the consensus with uh, the taxi squad as well, that we're going to see a big positive regression as a team there for sure. Yeah. It's kind of their thing. They're great, and then they're shitty, and then they're great, and then they're shitty. and That's what they've been doing. I think the big thing to remember, though, especially just for listeners who are wondering on some of these guys, like we are not saying these guys are necessarily going to... No, absolutely uh, not. ...go to the stars, you know, come all the way back and whatnot. The big thing that you need to remember, no matter what happens, no matter what any of us say for these teams and players, is that... There are only five guys that are bona fide, probably rosterable players on every single NHL team. They're basically the five guys that will play power play minutes and guaranteed to play the power play one minutes every single night. So that's 160 players. That is not enough players for every single one of your drafts to hold. So you have to find value somewhere else. Basically, these guys that we mentioned, right? Like these Coronados, these uh, Sharon Govichs, the only hope that these guys actually have of breaking out is if they can supplant one of the existing five spots on those power play one positions on your existing team, which means that value comes with them, but those Huberto owners, those Huberto uh, diamond hands, so to speak. If Sharon Govich comes around, that might be the death knell on Huberto or Kadri or Lindholm's value, so to speak. Not saying it definitely is those names, but just keep that in mind when you're keeping these watch list dudes and why we heavily emphasize you playing the wire is that we don't know how these guys are going to turn out and we definitely don't know if these guys are going to break out on a specific Week, But if you are targeting the waiver and playing specifically with chasing the short-term gain, none of this long-term week 14 double hat-trick breakout, you will win the week-to-week. Your roster could look like a churned pepperoni pizza compared to what it started out with. But you know what won't look so shitty? Your record. Any closing thoughts from you, Alan? Uh, well, you know, uh, Jonas Johansson might be worth a pickup after all. Uh, hot news, he just posted a second shout-out in a row in the, the preseason. So maybe he's moved uh, up to keep an eye on status. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you, you were able to plug a goalie and the Tampa Bay goalie to get to the end of the show. And I think I, I wanted to go back to a, a point that Raj raised. I think early in the season, coming out of drafts, looking back at who you got versus who you wanted. And, you know, Raj, it's good that you've had some time to uh, take off this year and actually feel proud of the teams you've drafted. I'm sure that's had a big part in what uh, you were able to do in your drafts this year. But I liked Raj's point, and I would do I would say the same to the listeners, especially in the first month. Pa- patience, right? Like, let's not go crazy on 
burning your team down just to maximize games played. Yes, it's about maximization of schedule and schedule manipulation to win your week-to-week matchups. But I think it also comes with a balance of patience and doing it at the opportunistic time so that you're getting maximum value of your streamers in a given week, not only to have more games played versus your opponent, but also having the best peripheral players available to you from a streaming standpoint. I think that's uh, a key piece of advice heading into the season, but that's the key point for me is, and for the taxi squad in general, the season is coming. We are six days when we wake up tomorrow from real hockey, uh, which is super exciting. And uh, it's about time. I'm sure for all of the, diehards that listen to us and the diehards within the community but just all hockey fans in general a new hope a new beginning and i hope that uh, we can just help you along the way with some insight and some some fun too because we're all going to be in these leagues not necessarily with you but we're going to be probably living and dying by our fantasy teams as we all do uh, throughout the season so stay along with us join us on the van cab it's going to be a lot of fun you know, like, like, and listen wherever you get your podcast to both the Five Hole Taxi Squad presented by Five Hole Fantasy Hockey, and be on the lookout for Raj's second episode of his limited series, the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Guide. It was great to have Raj on with us tonight. Hopefully, you can join us again in the near future. I'm sure the listeners would love that. That wraps it. We've hit the ground running with week one preview for our in-season content. Jay, you can turn the fare off now, and uh, the Taxi Squad will be back real soon with our next episode. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great night, and uh, it's all love. Let's do that hockey. We'll pick you up later.